Hi, I'm Mel Larson, and I'm looking forward to being with Brian on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Well, here we are for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 81. I'm Brian Zemrak, and this is our Halloween week show, and we're going to bring you into the world of magic with special guest Milt Larson, co-founder of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, and he's going to take us behind the mysterious walls of this members-only club that includes many of the most well-known magicians from around the world. Milt also talks about Houdini, his songwriting, his movie and TV appearances, his magic, and his years as a writer for Truth or Consequences for Ralph Edwards and Bob Barker. It's a very interesting interview. You've got to stick around for it. It's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around. But uh, up first, let's take a look at what's coming away as far as remakes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. As far as Remake Madness, a retelling of John Steinbeck's East of Eden is in the works. And the original film, of course, was a 1955 movie that starred Julie Harris and James Dean. And this one is heading for a 2011 release. And Dan Brown's latest novel, The Lost Symbol, has been optioned for a 2012 film starring Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon. And Major Matt Mason, the 1966 toy astronaut who lived on the moon, is headed for the big screen in 2012. And Tom Hanks is rumored to star in that one also. That's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies right here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As far as upcoming movies, a new thriller from producer Michael Bay, who gave us Transformers and Bad Boys, called Property of the State, is in development for 2012. It's about a young, white-collar criminal who tries to turn his life around. And Disney has in development a new family film called Real to Real. It's a fantasy story centered around a magical film projector. And you can look for a 2012 release on that one if all goes well. And Universal and Imagine Entertainment have in development a project titled Fenemy of the State. It's an adventure story about an heiress who works undercover for the CIA. And it hopes for a 2011 release. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next, taking you down to Sequel City and finding out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequels, sequels, and more sequels. Well, it looks like a film called Vacation is in development. It tells the story of a young father, Rusty Griswold, sound familiar, who is getting ready to take his family on vacation. 
This would, of course, be a new outing or a continuation of the Griswold clan, the next generation, sort of, and it's looking for a 2011 release. And producer Michael Bay is looking to produce and direct 2012. Not the one that's coming out, but a new one, 2012, The War for Souls. And it's looking for a 2010 release about a researcher who opens a portal to a parallel universe and makes contact with his double in order to stop an apocalypse foreseen by the Mayans. And a sequel to 1933's The Invisible Man is underway. Now, this is not going to be a retelling of it or a remake or anything like that. It's going to tell the story of the nephew of the original Invisible Man. So it's a continuation. That's about it for sequels. Coming up next... TV on DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD on October 27th. Look for The Fugitive Season 3, Volume 1 to arrive in stores along with Mannix, the third season. The Prisoner, the complete series mega set collector's edition on dvd or blu-ray will be available on october 27th and finally monty python's flying circus fans can get their monty python the other british invasion the best of monty python's 40th anniversary on october 27th and that's about it for tv on dvd coming up next what's coming your way as far as movies on dvd right here on on screen and beyond Movies on DVD from On Screen and Beyond. It looks like Ice Age, The Dawn of the Dinosaurs, hits stores this Tuesday, October 27th. Along with that one, Orphan also makes its way into store shelves on October 27th. And Deborah Messing stars in the DVD release of Nothing Like the Holidays coming up this Tuesday. And that's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, we have got a very, very interesting interview for you it's milt larson he's the co-founder of the magic castle he's a great magician himself he's appeared on tv shows he's been uh, advisors for uh, movies such as bed knobs and broomsticks disney's uh, film with um, uh, angela lansbury and uh, he's also a songwriter. He's uh, was a writer for years for Truth or Consequences. He's a fascinating guy, and he's right here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a multi-talented songwriter, magician, writer, and so much more, as well as the co-founder of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, which on November 3rd through the 8th will celebrate the 100th year of the building which houses it. It's Milt Larson. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Milt. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's... And, uh, you know, I'm a jack-of-all-trades. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed at all the different things that you've done and, um, you know, so many different aspects of entertainment that you've delved into over the years. And we'll get into those, but uh, I'd like to start off with the Magic Castle and the 100th anniversary of the structure which uh, is being celebrated. And being a fan of magic myself, because I really like magic, I know that the Magic Castle, you know, I know I've heard of it and everything... But many members of our audience might not know about it. So could you start out by telling us a little about the Magic Castle? Sure. It's a, uh, you know, we were celebrating the 100th birthday of this wonderful old mansion that uh, sits, uh, sits on the side of a hill in Hollywood. 
uh, just a block north of the uh, Grauman's Shawnees and the Kodak Theater and all that stuff. And uh, it's a it's a hundred years old this uh, this year. It was built in 1909, and I am the founder of the. Uh, Academy of Magical Arts, the Magic Castle, and I always like to point out that I'm not 100 years old. Uh, bad enough that the club has been here for 46 years, but we opened it in uh, 1963. Mm-hmm. But it's a club for magicians and people that enjoy watching magic. It started very uh, simply uh, back in 1963, is uh, taking over a few rooms in the old mansion, and uh, over the years it's grown and grown. There's a running gag about the castle that it's three times bigger on the inside than it is on the outside because we added so many uh, little extensions and rooms and everything. But it, it has uh, uh, open every night. It's uh, limited to members and their guests only, but members can give guest cards and and people that know anybody can usually, if you know anybody's interested in magic, they can probably get you in the castle. Hmm. But the uh, uh, we have... Uh, uh, close-up uh, little theater, a tiny theater. It's only 22 seats, but that's where the magicians do the impossible close-up magic. And then we have a, um, another mini theater that's about a 65-seat theater. It's called the Parlor Prestidigitation. Gosh, what a mouthful that one is. <laughs> and uh, then we have the Palace of Mystery, which is about a 140-seat uh, theater where we do the stage type of magic. And that goes on every night of the week of the seven days of a week, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, also have a wonderful uh, dining facilities and uh, 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 adult refreshments and all that sort of thing. Wow. The, um, so uh, any given evening you'll find we have about uh, 5,000 members, 5,000 active members, and uh, about half of those are magicians or people that either perform magic or are qualified to uh, be uh, within the secrets of magic. And about half of the members, another 2,500 or so, just uh, enjoy the uh, atmosphere of the club and and enjoy it for wonderful evenings out. It's kind of an old world atmosphere. And in Los Angeles, that's uh, unusual, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, Los Angeles is not that old itself and, and a lot of things are modern. So it's kind of interesting to find an old 100 year old mansion itself. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, like something that might have fallen out of an old uh, Adams Family cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I've <laughs> and seen. That, that's about it. Yeah, I've seen pictures of of the inside, um, some of the theaters, and and they're beautiful theaters. Oh yeah, well we've tried to keep it in the Victorian atmosphere. And uh, yeah. uh, another thing about the castle, when we took it over uh, back uh, almost fifty years ago, but. Uh, it was kind of a run-down old house, and uh, uh, over the years it had been converted and modernized. And uh, so we kind of tried to put it back to what it would have been like in a uh, hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And and by uh, you know a lot of people, say it's like the the museum of the Cleveland Wrecking Company. I mean, we they they were tearing down a lot of grand old buildings and and. Uh, houses back around the time we started and and uh, as they tear them down to put freeways through we'd take our little truck and run over and pick up a few stained glass windows and chandeliers wow. and all that sort of thing so it's it's uh, really remarkable now now but you're you're sort of skipping around things because it sounds like you're being a little modest because you actually 
you were doing the work, right? Renovating this building? Oh, yeah. In the early days, I'm kind of a do-it-yourself nut, and I always enjoyed uh, uh, carpentry, and my grandfather was a master carpenter, and I guess I picked up some of that from him, and and I, I just enjoyed it. So in the early days, really, it was a very small club, and and there was nobody else to do the work, so I did it myself. Yeah. And then as we've grown, now we have a whole staff of people that help me, but uh, yeah. I still do a lot of this oh, really? things myself. Wow. I have a nice little shop. I live up in Santa Barbara, and on the weekends I tinker with gimmicks and gym cracks and magic props and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And, and, and you're quite an accomplished magician, too, right? Uh, you might say that. I've... I've don't perform too much anymore, but I, I do a comedy magic act, and uh, I have been the opening act for the Amazing Jonathan in Vegas and a few other good credits. But I really don't do it, and I never have as a real profession. I, I love, I'm a ham at heart, but I, I enjoy doing it. But uh, you know, it's almost too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. Just you know, you know the if a job comes along, I take it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Now, um, some of the events that are going to be going on for the celebration of the structure, um, can you let us in on those? Or Sure. It's going to be really a whole week of magic. The, uh, it starts on uh, Monday and Tuesday, uh, November 2nd and 3rd, of uh, uh, just kind of an open house. Where we're letting uh, people see the castle and, and uh, giving a few tours, and, uh, and then on uh, that Tuesday, uh, inviting the the press and having some magicians do. Uh, I, I believe we're going to have uh, recreate the old uh, Harry Houdini stunt of uh, getting out of a straitjacket while hanging uh, hundred feet in the air from wow. a big crane. You know, so that'll be kind of spectacular. Yeah. But other than that, just a lot of our magicians will be entertaining, and then some of our celebrities will be around. Neil Patrick Harris is on our board of directors, and. And we have some good people coming for that. And then the uh, next uh, couple of days, there's a, uh, a magic history conference in in Los Angeles, and that's not at the castle, but magicians from all over the world will be attending that. And that's closed to the public. It's uh, actually they sell out every year to the uh, history fanatics, the people that really uh, collect uh, antique magic props and things like that but it's fascinating that that will have about a hundred no i think it's 200 uh magicians from all over the world will be uh, in los angeles for that event and uh, then to top the whole thing off is our big uh, it's magic show which is in its 53rd year uh we do it every year in the hollywood area and then play up and down the coast with various editions of it but this year's show is uh, at the Kodak Theater, which is the home of the Academy Awards, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and it is an all-star show, as it always is every year. But this year we've got uh, Lance Burton uh, from from Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, and Matt King from Vegas, Rudy Kobe from Vegas, <laughs> Joseph Gabriel from Vegas. Those guys, they're all from Vegas. And then... Uh, uh, we have a wonderful uh, award-winning uh, manipulator from uh, uh, from Spain, uh, Jorge Blas, who's an incredible person, and then uh, Shimada from uh, Japan, who's the 
the most requested magician we've ever had on It's Magic, and he happens to be in America and be able to do our show. Wow. So it's a dynamite show. It's at uh, Sunday on uh, November 8th is that show, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock on That's Sunday, yeah. at the Kodak Theater. Yeah. But it is, uh, you know, the, the whole week is... Uh, if you uh, look around Los Angeles, you're probably going to see more magicians than you really want to see. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, keep your hands in your pocket. You, know? you can't trust magicians. So normally people go to Vegas to see a lot of the mag- magicians. They better not go to Vegas because they're all going to be in L.A., right? <laughs> yeah, really. But one of the reasons we do the show on Sunday uh, every, every year is because a lot of these acts are dark on that one day. Ah. And uh, to bring somebody like Lance Burton in, uh, you know, the other six days a week, he's got his own theater in in Las Vegas. But Lance, actually, it's an interesting story because uh, Lance uh, had his 21st birthday on performing on It's Magic, and uh, that was many years ago. And he came out from Kentucky, and he said his old jalopy almost didn't make it to Los Angeles, and he's just 21 years old, but he's at that time an award-winning magician. And uh, Johnny Carson caught the show at the, uh, at the that year was at the Variety Arts Theater downtown. But uh, Carson caught Lance Burton and loved him and put him on the Carson show the next day and uh, gave him his real start in in magic because then he uh, was one of Johnny's favorite acts. Johnny was a member of the castle, incidentally. Oh, but uh, and uh, but uh, he's always credited with our show. It's magic is giving him his first break, and you know he went from Johnny Carson shows to Las Vegas and Reno, and then then had his own theater. So Lance is the type of a guy who just uh, gives a little thank you nod to us uh, once every five or ten years and uh, brings his, his act to uh, Los Angeles. So, wow. So it's a nice thing. And the same thing, a lot of the acts that uh, are on It's Magic are people that are major stars in, in Magic, but they, uh, they're they members of the Magic Castle. They love Magic, and they kind of do it as their tribute to the art of Magic. Hmm. And Neil Patrick Harris, incidentally, will be on that show, too. Yes. Yeah. Is he... Kind of is Magician, magician, or magician's fan? You know, does he is he does he do magic acts and things? Oh yeah, well, uh, Neil was one of our junior magicians. We uh, you have to be twenty one or over to be a member of the Magic Castle. But there's a wonderful group, uh, the uh, Magic Castle Junior Magicians Group, and uh, if uh, people have to try out for it, and it's it's very difficult to get in, but it's for youngsters that are from about thirteen years old to twenty one. Mm-hmm. And Neil was one of those youngsters, and and a very very good magician. And then of course he became Doogie Howser, right? <laughs> and uh, went on from there, you know. Yeah. But uh, but he uh, he loves magic. As a matter of fact, we had a uh, uh, board of directors meeting last night. He's on the board, and he was here, and he was very very active. Mm. Not just a, a name on the ticket, right. you know. Yeah. But uh, and well, you know that's that's been the. Uh, course of everything I've ever done we have loved doing you know stage shows and theaters and songs and stuff and things you know yeah so um, but the, it's magic's my first love the uh, I've always said it's like uh, my life if you put, 
compare it to a, a train track. You know, there's two two tracks, and one of the tracks is constantly going down the road of magic, and the other track gets getting switched off into television writing and songwriting and mm-hmm. theater owning and all that kind of stuff. But it always comes back to magic, no matter yeah. how you cut it. Yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, with the Magic Castle itself, um, how did you come about getting that building? I mean, what cho- what drew you to it? Well, it's a kind of a strange thing. The uh, uh, I was born in a magic family, the Larson family of magicians, and my dad was a uh, an attorney, a criminal attorney, who decided to give up the practice of law and take the family on the road as magicians. And uh, he always had a idea of doing a, a club for magicians, uh, you know. And uh, he was a publisher of a magazine for magicians and came up with the idea of the Academy of Magic Arts back in the 50s. And then, unfortunately, he passed away at a very early age. He was only 48 when he passed. And... Uh, but uh, we always had that in mind, and my late brother and I uh, uh, kind of kicked the idea around from time to time. And then uh, when I was a writer on uh, Truth or Consequences, uh, our office was on uh, in the, the 10th floor of the building that overlooked the Magic Castle, what is now the, the old 100-year-old the old Lane Mansion. Mm-hmm. And... At that time, it was really kind of run down with weeds in the lawn and everything. So uh, I kept daydreaming about, you know, it'd be kind of fun to make, a, you know, a magician's club. But the uh, the owner of the property uh, was kind of hard to reach, and they, I talked to a couple of real estate people, and they said, no, no, he's just not interested. He doesn't want to talk to people about it. it he doesn't know what to do with the property, but he's not interested in talking to anybody, so... As luck would have it, I met him one time and told him about my little idea of a club and said, you know, uh, the house is kind of run down. The worst that can happen is, you know, I'm I'm pretty handy with a saw and a hammer and a a paintbrush and uh, I'll fix it up for you. And and, uh, then we'll talk about uh, making it into a club. And he kind of liked that idea. So uh, made a very, very nice uh, arrangement with... uh, his name was Tom Glover. He passed away now, but he, the, uh, at that time he owned the uh, the property. And uh, uh, we shook hands and said, "Let's do it." And that was in 19. Well, we opened in 1963. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just and you know both my brother and I really didn't have uh, any idea of the the future success of the castle. We just thought it might be kind of a fun thing to do. Bill was a producer at CBS, and I was on Truth and Consequences at NBC, and uh, we didn't have another brother. We could have covered all the networks, but that's life. But uh, uh, so anyhow, we did it pretty much as uh, just a kind of a whim, and and 
And then the magicians decided to uh, make it more than a whim, and it's, you know, as I say now, we've got our 5,000 active members, and we limit it to about that. You know, the people will drop out and other people will join, but right. but we keep it about 5,000 members. But that, that's how it all started, and it's a, it's been a great experience. The <clears throat> our, our original uh, three rooms when we opened, uh, now I really can't tell you how many rooms there are. It's about 22,000 square feet of of entertainment. Wow. So it's uh, it's gotten big. Yeah. <laughs> but the but the front still has that same feel as the original building. Oh, that's it. We've been very very careful to uh, preserve the the look of the old mansion. And when you come up, uh, you know, if you're coming from Roosevelt Hotel or Grumman's Chinese, and come up Orange Avenue, which is the street that dead ends in in front of the Magic Castle, and uh, you will not realize that there's anything there other than a really grand old old mansion. Mm-hmm. And we've been very careful to maintain that that look. And uh, then once you're inside, you still feel that you're in a millionaire's mansion back a hundred years ago. Really, but uh, some of the rooms may may or may not be in the original structure, but. It's a kind of a magic trick that we do of uh, uh, making something appear to be something other than it is. Right, yeah. Now, I I understand that there's a collection of items that you house in the the building itself, uh, some pretty amazing things, right? Oh, yes. We have quite a large uh, Houdini collection. Uh, We do a recreation of the final Houdini seance, which... uh, Houdini died in 1926, and uh, uh, for 10 years after he passed, the uh, uh, Mrs. Houdini had a seance uh, trying to bring him back. He was very interested in the spirit world, right. and uh, yeah. uh, they made a pact that whoever died first would attempt to uh, reach the other one, and they had a code, so uh, only Mrs. Houdini knew what that code was, and uh, every year they try to bring back Houdini. So uh, at the end of 10 years, she said uh, uh, they had a final Houdini seance that was held here in Hollywood on top of the old Knickerbocker Hotel. And uh, they had a couple of people in bleachers on the top of the hotel and and, uh, and did a seance to try to bring back Houdini for the final time, his last chance to come back. And uh, seance went on and... uh, Fellow by the name of Doctor Ed Saint was the uh, the medium, and and uh, at the end of the séance, uh, Mrs. Houdini said, "I do not believe that Houdini can can come back to me or to anyone." And she turned out the little light that had been burning for ten years mm-hmm. in this little tabaret. And the strange thing about it was that it was a really clear night. Uh, it was on Halloween, incidentally. He died on Halloween. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was a very clear night, and uh, all of a sudden it started to rain, and it rained just long enough to, to drench everybody on the top of the Dickerbocker Hotel. And the weird thing about it is that it only rained in that part of Hollywood, as far as anybody knows, and didn't rain anyplace else. Wow. So people that uh, wanted to believe in uh, spiritualism said, well, if Houdini would come back, he wouldn't come back and shoot guns and ring bells and and uh, shake tambourines, he'd come back in some natural form like rain. 
So after 10 years, it really didn't prove anything. Yeah. But, uh, and that's, uh, you know, every Halloween we get carried away here at the castle. It's kind of like a New Year's Eve with us. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the goblins and the witches and all those good good guys, black cats are magicians' favorites, you know. Right. You always think of them pulling rabbits out of the hat, but black cats are much more fun. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's, that's kind of our... Uh, heritage on that sort of thing. Hmm. And, and I noticed on your website that it says that there is a resident ghost at the Magic Castle. Oh, yes. Is there we, a story we, behind that? Well, we have Invisible Irma, and uh, she is a lovely lady who uh, hangs around the castle, and uh, she, we inherited her with the, with the house, and there was a piano up in the attic, and uh, we noticed that uh, the piano would occasionally uh, uh sound like it was playing, so we brought it down and put it in the castle when we opened the castle. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful big grand piano. And people come in and request uh, songs, any, any song in the world, and uh, Irma will play it for her, even mm. though she, there's nobody there. So it's, it's very interesting. And that, that's our, our resident house ghost. <laughs> now, you can believe that or not. And probably we have some ghosts hanging around anyway. I don't think you can have a hundred-year-old mansion without having a few real ghosts in the place. I think they, they kind of live in the woodwork and everything. Right. <laughs> now, with all the famous magicians you've had there, uh, I, I know it's hard to, to say who's you know the best or anything like that, but is there any one performer who just just blew you away with, with what they could do? Well, I'm you know, I've been asked that question many, many times. I've I think on in today's magic, uh, I really honestly believe uh, Lance Burton would get my vote there mm-hmm. because he does a great show, you know, a full evening show in uh, his theater in Las Vegas uh, on or its magic show at the Kodak Hill. He'll be doing like a 15 minute act or so, mm-hmm. but it's still Lance. So he would be of the living people, of the uh, non-living people. I think the most uh, fascinating magician I ever saw, it uh, was not too well known to most people, is Dante the Magician. And he was a big uh, star of magic back in the uh, 30s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, with a big magic review. And mainly played Europe, but he played here in, uh, in America quite a bit. And uh, I had the pleasure of seeing him when I was a very young man. Uh, at the old Biltmore Theater in Los Angeles, which is long gone. But uh, he had a, a great magic review. I mean, it just, everything made sense. And he looked like a magician. He had a uh, goatee and, and uh, uh, you know, he just looked like the epitome of a magician. And he sounded like a magician, and he did these miracles. And as a kid, I just was terribly fascinated yeah. with him. And uh, everything I've tried to do, uh, it kind of, goes along that thing, you know, making it kind of a review and a story rather than just somebody coming out and, and doing a few tricks, you know. But, yeah. uh, so Dante would be my my classic example. And I'm, I saw, you know, I've been lucky enough, I've lived my entire life in magic, and my dad used to take me to see magic shows all the time, and and so I've, I've probably seen more magicians in my life than anybody, because... Sure. Uh, just always been around magicians and seen magicians, so I, I was lucky enough to see the, you know, the 
Blackstone Sr. and Blackstone right. Jr. and uh, yeah. uh, Ricciardi and uh, some of those. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, 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 you know, David Copperfield is wonderful. Yep. And uh, and uh, so you know, I've seen a lot of people, but but uh, Dante was really the uh, the master in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know we're running out of time, but I'd if if you had a second here, I'd like to just touch on a few things about your sure. About, no, you, you know, take take your time <laughs> about your history. Because I won't panic for about another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but your history um, is is quite amazing, also. Um, now, now you, you've touched on it while you were talking that you were a writer for Truth of Consequences, right? Yes, I uh, I was a writer with uh, Truth of Consequences all the time that Bob Barker did the show. Yeah, Bob's and been that, a guest that on was, our show uh, about eighteen years, and uh, while we was doing that, then we did. Uh, a lot of other things, and you know, one of my prouder achievements now. I've I've, uh, I've always been a songwriter. Uh, we we had a uh, Richard M. Sherman right. and I write songs, and uh, Richard's main claim to fame is two Academy Awards for Mary Poppins, and uh, right. you know, and some of the greatest songs ever written with for, he and his brother Robert. Yeah, with the Sherman Brothers. But Dick and I, uh, many, many years ago, started writing comedy songs, and we did a series of a couple of LP albums called Smash Flops, which was uh, wonderful things about songs that were written that went wrong, you know, that, that they, they were commemorative songs, but just that things didn't work out for the poor songwriters who wrote them, like Bon Voyage Titanic is a, is a pretty good example of those and congratulations, Tom Dewey. So we had a lot of fun writing those, and and uh, over the years we've written a lot of comedy songs, and and we've written songs for my shows at the Mayfair Music Hall, which was a music a British music hall we had at one time. And then uh, uh, recently, just uh, about a year ago, we uh, have uh, collaborated on a full-scale uh, stage musical uh, called Pizzazz, which is story of Webber and Fields, the comedians from the turn of the century, mm-hmm. and uh, we did it at the Granada Theater up in uh, Santa Barbara uh, to premiere it and uh, looking to uh, having a full-scale production of it in uh, the probably February of this coming year, mm-hmm. and it's a big musical with all that good stuff, and, and so we've always loved that. We've written a lot of stuff like that, yeah. and so, uh, you know, my... Uh, on my income tax form, where it says, "What am I?" I'm, I'm an unemployed songwriter, basically. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could put all in, kinds of things in addition to all the other. Now, stuff. now you also have been an actor. You uh, appeared in Heart to Heart uh, with Robert Wagner, who was a guest recently on our show too. Yes, he. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was a host of the uh, upcoming uh, Magic Awards, and uh, I was honored. They gave me the. Uh, Blackstone Achievement Award, which oh, yeah. was very, very nice, and Robert Wagner was there. But, and I, you know, that goes back a long way. But my main claim to fame, acting wise, a little bitty part in a Bedknobs and Broomsticks at Disney. But, uh, but my main claim to fame, I do the old tablecloth yanking bit, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you pull the tablecloth out from under all the dishes. Yeah. And, uh, because I, I've always done that as a gag. I've gotten a lot of work being the back of of people. You never see me 
but uh, I was the back of, uh, you know, I, I was in the Adams family, and then I was in Bewitched is uh, Paul Lynn's back, and, and I've gone through life, never, uh, nobody ever sees my face, but they are very familiar with my back. <laughs> <laughs> and now, with the bed knobs and broomsticks, it had you down as technical advisor for the film? Mm-hmm. What does a technical advisor for that film do? Well, in the original film, uh, there was one sequence in it called With a Flare, and uh, uh, Tomlinson, the uh, the actor, kind of did my act, which was the, kind of a comedy act, and uh, uh, it was a seven-minute production number in the film, and uh, and a lot of magic in it, and I, I was working with him for about seven weeks or so on the film, and actually I, that's, I got a little part just in the crowd scene on the thing, but... Uh, as luck would have it, when the picture came out, it played Radio City Music Hall and ran too long, so they cut 20 minutes out of the film for the premiere. And uh, that scene went away with the uh, <laughs> with the cutting room floor. Huh. And later, 25 years later, they did the uh, uh, they brought the film back, and uh, there's now a, a box set DVD of bed knobs and broomsticks and the number is back in there again oh. with uh, with my friendly face and also uh, that's that's what I did all the work on but for 25 years nobody knew what the heck I did on the show <laughs> because my credit was on longer than I was on that thing really but, but it was a lot of fun and, and yeah I've had uh, you know a lot of fun on truth or consequences uh, we'd always write ourselves into the scenes and everything and, oh really and uh, you know so I'd been a long-time member of Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA and Writers Guild. So with, with truth every of, other guild you can write. With Truth of Consequences, were you responsible for writing some of the gags and things that were going on? Right. Basically, there were three three writers on the show and all that time, and the uh, we we would just come up with the you know everything from uh, practical jokes to reunions to. Uh, special material uh, you know basically we never wrote lines for contestants because they were genuinely right uh, probably you call it the first reality show because it, Bob would go in the audience and pick up people really off the street that uh, he thought would work well in these situations we'd put them in and uh, and uh, we put them in hilarious situations and they the people were the show. Now, were so we st- never actually wrote lines for them, but, but we would do things like we had frequent guests like Roland Martin, and we'd do little sketches and things. So it was a wonderful writing job because there were no boundaries to it. We could do anything we wanted. Yeah. Bob was saying that one of his favorite skits on that show was with the gorilla. Oh, yeah. He that, were you responsible for that? <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid I was. You were? Okay. Uh, I was holding the, uh, the cage shut on the... On the uh, on that bit, and they, it was a grill in a Ringling Brothers cage parked in front of Grandma Chinese, and, and I got a guy to hold the door while I went to look for something else, and then the grill, of which was Giannis Prohaska in a gorilla suit, uh, who uh, suddenly became alive and chased this guy down the street. It was pretty <laughs> hilarious. It's one of Bob's favorite acts. Yeah. Well, Milt, I I know you have to be going here. But... I do have to go, yeah. so I appreciate the talk. I, I would talk 
with you forever. Just book me on once in a while, and I'll, I'll continue with several hundred chapters of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is great. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, and come to see us at the Castle, and for yes. goodness sakes, come to see us at the It's Magic Show at the Kodak Theater. Yes, those and are... And that's November 8th. Yep. So hope you can come and see us. Wave to me. A very special thanks going out to Milt Larson for taking the time to chat with us. It's, it's just fascinating hearing him talk about the Magic Castle, and it'd, be, it'd really be great to see all the memorabilia that's housed within the walls. And uh, Remember, if you get a chance, the doors will be open to the public for the first time as part of the 100th celebration of the building. So uh, be sure to check it out if you're in the Hollywood area, and uh, you might want to... Go over and see. That's the week of November 7th, so you might want to check that out. So, um, And, uh, you know, that's about it. Uh, just about wraps up another episode of On Screen and Beyond, so be sure to join us next week for more information on uh, movies and DVDs and, of course, another great guest. And uh, thanks for listening. And Until next time, this is Brian. Take care. <laughs>